Bibles, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 14. And as I read this, I really just is using this this morning to ask one question. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Don't team up, or another translation puts it, don't yoke yourself with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? And how can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? What union can there be between God's temple and idols? We are the temple of the living God. And God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. So if you think of the word attraction, if you think of opposites attract, you know, it's been said that, you know, it's defined as people who are so different from each other, but yet attracted to each other. And so if you think of these verses that I just read and God explaining not to yoke ourselves with unbelievers, how many of us know that there are believers and unbelievers? And if you think of believers and unbelievers this morning, where does the attraction go? Is the attraction, are the unbelievers attracted to the believers or do you think that more believers are attracted to unbelievers? And secondly, do you feel that your Christianity, your walk with God, do you make it attractive enough for other people to ask you about what you believe? If you think of the word attraction, and you think of the word opposites attract. How many of us know there are like 4,000 different religions? 4,000 different religions. And some of the most popular ones, we know there's Christianity and there's atheism. And atheism is one of the most popular ones out there, right? With all the different religions, what religion is the most attractive to other people? And as, as a believer... Is your faith attractive? Not your looks, not the way you eat, not what you drive, but is your faith in God, is it attractive to other people? Is the faith that you have in God attractive? Does it attract people in? Does it pull people in? And that's a place where God wants us to go to. He wants our faith to be attractive. You know, so even for, uh, Paul was talking about that, people who are married to unbelievers, that if they love them and if they serve them like they're serving Christ, that spouse who's an unbeliever will become saved, right? And in our walk with God, that's what we must do to the town that we live in, the community that we live in, that we serve people and we love people with so much faith, with so much grace. And the amazing grace that we sang about this morning, so much grace that it leads people, there's such an attraction that it leads people to God. Gravity, how many of us enjoy gravity? And for some of us, we know that gravity is a force that attracts our body towards the center of the earth. It helps us walk on the ground. And how would it be if there was no gravity if we'd just be floating around in the air every day? Now, some of us would think, ah, that's kind of cool, right? I wouldn't mind floating around just every single day, right? I wouldn't mind just like, you know, like earth being the moon and just floating wherever I want to go. I think eventually floating around would get boring, right? Kind of like for us, walking gets boring after a while, right? And, and running gets boring after a while. Gravity is something that for most of us, I think we've learned to appreciate. Last week, we used a little example. We showed uh, the funnel being poured in here and funneled means to have a guide or a channel. And so the question was, as we take the first part attraction and we take the second word gravity, we take the third word being funneled. 
is there a spiritual gravity? Is there a spiritual pull? Is there something spiritually behind everything that we see? And if there is, where is the pull in your life? Where's the spiritual pull? Where's the spiritual funnel to be guided or to be directed? Where is the spiritual things that are pulling you this morning? We know that in the end and towards the end, it says that the devil is going to be targeting the elect, that even the elect, that he's going to be out to deceive and seduce, even the elect, the elect believers, people who they have so much faith that most of their life they have believed in God, they live for God. The devil at the end is out to seduce the elect. We know that the Antichrist is going to be moving and trying to pull people out of churches. We see that in 1 John. We know that in the end, that the end times, Paul describes that the end, that people are going to be lovers of themselves. We know that they're going to be lovers of money. We know that in the end, people are going to be boastful and proud. We know that people will be scoffing at God, making fun of God disobedient to parents, ungrateful, that people will consider nothing sacred. You know, if you pause right there for a second, that in the end, people will consider nothing sacred. You know, marriage, how many of us know marriage is an important part of life? But today, marriage really isn't as sacred as it used to be. That there's younger generations who have made sex and marriage really nothing sacred at all. In the end, people will consider nothing sacred, unloving, unforgiving, slandering to other people, having no self-control, cruel, hating what is good, betraying friends, puffed up with pride, love pleasure rather than God, acting religious and denying a power that can make people godly. How many of us know people who act religious? How many know people who can quote Bible verses over and over and over again, <coughs> sorry, but yet there's no power in their life. In the end, there's gonna be people who act religious, but they deny the power, which is the Holy Spirit that can make them godly. Paul says you have to stay away from people like that. And so the question this morning is, how do you fight the spiritual pull, the devil's spiritual pull out there, this gravity, this funnel being guided and channeled. How do you fight that in your life? In the last days, if people are gonna be so stuck up and so selfish and so full of pride, how do you fight those things in your life? How do you fight the devil and the lies in your life? If he's out after you, if he's out after you to deceive you, to seduce you, how do you fight his pull? How do you fight every single thing that he targets inside of you? Every little day, every little moment, how do you fight the strong spiritual pull to take you out? This morning, my main verse and my, my scripture is Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Then Jesus left Galilee and he went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A gentle Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away. They said, she is bothering us with all this begging. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region. I already read that, didn't I? Yeah, I don't think I got the whole scripture in there. 
Verse 24. Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and she worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, isn't it right to take, isn't it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs? She replied, it's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps. Turn your neighbor and say scraps. That fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. How many of us know as a parent, and we've been in the situation for this lady who was described in this story, she comes to Jesus because her daughter is demon possessed. Her daughter is having a bad day. Her daughter is having a bad moment. And how many parents, when their kids suffer, when they see their kids, you know, having a high fever, when they see their kids struggling in school, maybe they've seen their kids who've been beat up. How many of us as parents, how many, how many of us know that we will take things maybe a little to the extreme to defend our kids, right? How many moms and how many dads, when we see our kids suffering, we are ready. We are ready and willing to do anything because we wanna help our kids. This woman comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, have mercy on me for my kid. It's possessed by a demon through suffering, through tears, through money and energy, through the tiredness and to be humbled, looking for the right kind of help. I love how Jesus, it says that as she comes and she begs and she pleads with him, what does Jesus do initially? He says nothing at all. And he just is silent. Silence, sometimes it's not very nice. When you really need something and you're getting silence, how many of us know that silence sucks? When you're praying and you're asking God over and over and over again, and you're begging and you're pleading for God, but God isn't answering, how does that silence feel? If you're asking for a raise at work and you're asking over and over and over again, and you're getting only silence, how does that silence feel? If you're needing money and there's a lack of money and so you're doing everything you can, but it seems like just the world in itself is silence to your, to your needs. Silence, it could be a blessing, but it also could be a cursing. And it's really which way we, we look at it because sometimes it's not that God isn't speaking, it's that we can't hear him, right? We know that God sometimes he speaks soft. We know that God sometimes speaks loud and clear. God speaks in many different ways. And so sometimes when God speaks, it's that we're missing it. We're not hearing it because we're looking for him in other places and other people. And so we don't get to hear that voice. As this woman comes and begs and pleads with him, it says that Jesus was completely silent and he didn't even have one word for her. And then I love his disciples because the disciples start to get bothered. And so the disciples go to Jesus and say, can you please send her away? Can you get rid of this girl? It says, we're getting bothered by her, Jesus. She's bothering us. She's loud. She's crazy. She's obnoxious. Can you get rid of her? She's starting to bother us. She's just a beggar. Sometimes, how many of you have had friends? And most of us, we know that when we have friends, we have friend circles, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, where's your friend circle? All of us have some kind of friend circle. 
right? And so for all of us who have a friend circle, sometimes it's really hard to break into that friend circle, right? How many of us have ever seen friends who, this is my circle, this is my group, and then it's like, let's go back to junior high for an example. In junior high, you have friend circles, and when there's a new kid who comes to school, what are they trying to do? They try to break into that friend circle. And most of our close friends within a circle, they don't want to let anybody in. And as I picture this story this morning with the disciples, I don't think they wanted anyone to be part of their group. Yes, Jesus had followers all over the place. He was popular. There was miracles all over the place, right? But I don't think they wanted anybody else inside of this group. And so as this woman is sitting there begging, it was kind of like the disciples saying, you know what? This is our group. This is our time with Jesus. Can you just get rid of her? Send her away. Jesus finally decides to respond as his disciples are getting bothered. And Jesus says to the lady in the story, I'm only here for God's people. I'm not here for the ungodly. I'm not here for you. You are a Gentile woman and I didn't come here for you. I came here for the godly people, God's chosen people, the Jewish people. So the woman, after she hears this, what does she do? She didn't walk away. Think about this and just back it up in your mind. A woman comes to Jesus. How you doing, Jalen? A woman comes to Jesus and she's asking for help. As she asks for help, Jesus doesn't respond. The disciples get bothered. They go to Jesus and say, can you get rid of this girl? And try to picture in your mind the story and the people. Jesus finally says something. And the things that he says to her is, listen, I'm not here for you. I'm here for godly people. What is in that moment, if you were rejected, like this lady in the story, if you felt rejected, if you felt kicked out, if you felt like, man, I'm nothing. He said, he's not here for me. He doesn't wanna help me. How many of us at that moment would have just walked away? And none of us, you know, wanna raise our hand, but some of us don't deal with rejection very well. Some of us don't deal, deal well when we're called names. Some of us don't deal well when we know we're just not wanted, right? But what does she do? She turns all of her feelings into worship and she gets down on the ground and she starts worshiping Jesus. And it says she's pleading with Jesus. She is fueled by something. There's something inside of this lady that is fueling her. She is fueled by the love of her daughter because her daughter's demon possessed and she's suffering. And because of the fuel that she has for her kid, you know what it does? It's making her ignore the feelings that she has. She wants her daughter to get healed. She wants her daughter to be whole and well. And so she's ignoring the feelings of rejection. She's ignoring the feelings that nobody likes me, nobody loves me, nobody wants me here. The Jesus does not care about me. She's ignoring the feelings that she has about herself because there's only one thing that she's concerned about. I want my daughter to be well. I want my daughter to be whole. And so that continues in her worship and her pleading. And then I love what Jesus says to this lady. He says, is it right to take food from the children and to give it to the dogs? Just as you start to think that this story is a little odd and awkward, Jesus now calls this lady a dog, basically. He says, listen, one, I'm not, I don't wanna talk to you. Secondly, when he did talk to her, how you doing, Randisa? Happy birthday. 
when he talked to that lady, the first thing he says is, I'm not here for you. I'm not here for your people. I'm not here to help you. I'm here to help only God's chosen people. And then the third comment that he says to this lady is, and this is crazy to me, but do, does the mom and dad take the food from the kids? Now as a parent, and, and I don't know if you have animals in your house, but would you take the food from your kids and give it to your animal instead? Now we love our dog, right? We love Jax. And believe me, Jax gets plenty taken care of. He is well fed, right? But would me, would me and Kim not feed our kids and feed the dog instead? Maybe, just kidding. Of course not, right? We're gonna make sure that our kids are well fed. And so Jesus is pointing out to her and he's describing once again, I came here for the Jewish people. I came here for God's chosen people. But yet he, he uses the illustration of a dog. So she she's, has to deal with someone who's silent towards her. She has to deal with someone who just says, I'm not basically here to help you. And now she's dealing with Jesus who basically compares her to a dog. And then her reply, she says, well, even dogs get to eat the scraps that fall from the master's table. And if you have a dog, you know that when it's breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack time, if you have a dog, you know that dog will follow every single person in the house waiting just for a little scrap. Dogs are patient for most of the, unless they need their walk, right? or if they need to go to the restroom. Dogs are mostly patient. When it is food time, they know. And what's the number one thing they do when, the, when dinner is served? I'm here to get a scrap. This woman taking the picture, the illustration that Jesus used, even though she was rejected, even though she was called a dog, what does she do? She says, you know what? I'll be happy to be a dog and take a scrap that falls from the master's table. I'll be happy, Jesus. I don't care what you're saying right now. All I want is my daughter to be well. I don't care what I'm being compared to. I don't care what feelings I'm feeling towards myself. The dogs get to eat scraps. And so this morning, a question I have is, how well do you fight through the words of life? How well do you fight through the words of life? And how do you fight through the feelings of life? And kind of as an example, if uh, Micah can come on up here, Joel, come on up here real fast. Jalen, come on up here and just stand right up here real quick. And, and let's say, you know, Jalen goes to mom. He says to mom, you know what? I'm just having a hard time with my feelings right now, mom. I'm not really understanding life. I'm not really understanding what's going on. I don't really understand growing up. I don't understand one day I gotta work every day, that four letter word that most of us do not like to repeat. I, don't, I just have all these mixed feelings right now, mom. I'm having a hard time. You know, every kid has mixed feelings, right? Every kid has mixed feelings and most every kid at some point will go to their parent or Google now, it's either parent or Google, whichever one's easier and say, how and why am I feeling what I'm feeling? Now, if Jalen comes to you and your mom or dad and he says, I just don't know these feelings that I'm having. How many of us as parents sit down and say, you know what, Jalen, it's normal. 
Every kid has weird feelings at different times. But let me tell you, you are extremely awesome. You're an awesome kid. You're going to be an awesome man, right? And instead of in encouraging the feelings, as a parent, we fight through the words. We fight through the feelings so that the Jalen can see the truth. You can grab a seat, Jalen. Thank you. You did awesome. You know, what if Micah comes to mom and dad and says, you know what? I just feel like I want to knock somebody's head off. I just have something inside of me that says, I want to just want to knock somebody's head off. I just, I'm so angry and I want to hurt somebody right now. And as a good parent, as a good mom and dad, how would we take Micah, set him aside and said, you know what? We've all been angry at times. And anger is a hard thing to deal with. And sometimes people will make us really angry in life. But hurting them is never the solution. Fighting through the words, fighting through the emotions, fighting through the meanings. As a good parent, we help our kids fight through the feelings, fight through the words so that they can see the truth. Thank you, Mr. Handsome, young man. And we get to Joel. Oh, Joel, handsome older man. Yes, exactly. And picture Joel is a high, stu- a high school student this morning. He looks close to that anyway, right? <laughs> what if Joel's a high school student, goes to mom and dad and says, you know what? I just don't feel like living anymore. I just don't feel like my life is meaning anything. I feel like my life would be better if it was over. Some of the hardest feelings that a junior hire or a high school kid, and even in adults today, how many of us know that adults commit suicide as well? Strong. These are super strong feelings. I just don't understand life, and I feel like life doesn't understand me. I don't understand people, and I don't feel like people understand me. How many kids and how many adults have said this to themselves over and over again? I'm better. I think I'm just going to be better if I'm dead than if I was alive. And how many parents would go to their kid and say, listen, your life is so amazing and so awesome. You are the, one of the most awesomest and amazing people in the whole entire world. You're handsome, you're strong, you're smart, you're intelligent. And sometimes, you know what the sad thing is? Parents, friends, they don't get that opportunity to help their kid fight through the words, to fight through their feelings, to find the truth. Because how many of us know somebody whose kid just decided to commit suicide and they didn't tell anybody? They decided, I'm just gonna hang myself. And how many adults out there who have killed themselves, they hung themselves, they overdosed, whatever it may be, and they didn't warn anybody. They didn't tell anybody, they just did it. They did not have an opportunity and no one close to them, no family member, no spouse, no one in that circle had the opportunity to say to this young man, the truth. Thank you, Joel. Give Joel a hand. And Micah and Jalen, you guys did awesome. And so this morning as I look at this woman, I thought that she had in this story, there was one thing that she wanted, one thing that she needed. She wanted her daughter well. She wanted her daughter healthy. She wanted the demon that was possessing her to get out of her. And so she had this one thing that she wanted. And so what did she have to do? Because it wasn't like she went to Jesus and said, Jesus, I need help. And it's not like Jesus just said, okay, you got it. It's yours. 
No, for this woman, she fought through silence. And this woman fought through rejection. And then she fought through the words of being compared to a dog. She had to fight her feelings. She had to fight through everything that was going on in her mind. And she's thinking, oh my goodness, I can't believe, I, I thought Jesus was a nice guy, but he doesn't really care. She had to fight through so many different thoughts because how many of us know when we have a thought, those thoughts just start running a mile a minute. All those thoughts and then turning into feelings. She was fighting through her feelings and she was fighting through the words. For what? She was fighting for her daughter. She was fighting for her daughter. Joel, if you can actually come back up one more time. You're special this morning. Give Joel another hand, he's so special. He's gonna walk up and down. So last week, uh, you're gonna come up and put some stuff in here in the thing for me. Last week we put some Dr. Pepper and we funneled it through just to give you a picture of what it looks like to go through a funnel. This morning what we're gonna do is we're gonna be dumping food coloring, just a drop at a time. We'll start light and then we're gonna go dark, okay? You can go ahead and do one drop. How many of us can see, if you got good eyes, that as Joel put one drop in, the clear water is starting to change? Right? Is the water not starting to change colors? And what I want to present to you this morning, my glass of water that's going to change colors here. This represents our feelings. This represents our heart and this represents our mind. When we don't find the truth, when we let our feelings and emotions get out of control, we start to dump color into our life and we're looking for any kind of source and we're looking for any kind of help. And so sometimes as Christians, you know what we do as Christians? We start, we start listening to 30 different pastors. Oh my gosh. I love my God, I love my God, and I love my church, and I love my pastor, but there's just something, these hard feelings that I'm dealing with. So maybe I need to listen to 15 other churches out there and see what's going on. And so what we do is we keep dumping color into our life. And the clearness that we used to be, that, that pureness is starting to disappear and we're starting to get different colors inside of us. We have different feelings. And so we're, we're looking for other sources. Something else has to feed me. Somebody else has to help me. I'm not getting it from my circle of friends. I'm not getting the help from my family. I'm not getting the help that there's something inside me that's just not right and I'm not getting it. So I need to look around and then I need to look for other people. And so then we turn, if we turn to God and we don't feel like we're getting it, we turn to other pastors and other churches and we still don't feel like we get it. Then we start turning to friends. And so we look to our friends and we say, can you help me? I have these feelings and I just don't understand them. I have these feelings and I just don't know what's going on inside of me. I just don't know. I just don't. And most people go to more than one friend. So if you can do one more drop, any color you want to. Isn't Joel doing a good job? Give it up for Joel. Because most of us, when we go and there's something inside of us that we're having a hard time and we're dealing with, if we go to friends, then you know what we do? We don't go to one friend, we go to a couple friends. 
We start bouncing around and we go to, we go to God. We didn't feel like we got it. We went to pastor. We didn't feel like pastor helped us. We went, then we started going to multiple pastors and we still didn't get it. We started going to friends and we still didn't really get the answer we're looking for. So let's start Googling it. How many of us have ever Googled something this morning, right? If God doesn't answer, if pastor doesn't answer, if friends don't answer, Google's gonna answer, right? And so how many people, even like Joel this morning, he says he Googled tithes and offering and all these things come up. How many of us, when, when no one is answering, when no one is giving us what we need, no one is helping me deal with the feelings that I have, Google will. Google will. Fighting through the feelings and then learning to bounce around. You know, we, um, we had this guy that I used to work with, it's called Larry Becker. And Larry Becker, uh, I think he retired, how long ago did he retire? I don't know, let's just say six years, sounds good. And six years ago he retired, but for, for Larry Becker, we used to make fun of him, we called him the soccer ball. Because in food sales, now typically in food sales, you work in the area that you live, and you have one manager. And typically, as long as your manager does a good job, you're gonna have that manager for a long time. But for Larry, as soon as he got into food sales, he was bounced around district to district to district to district. So sometimes he was in my district, other times he was in other people's districts. And so everyone at Cisco called this guy and he did have kind of a round stomach, right? So when you see him, you call him the soccer ball because he kind of looked like a soccer ball. And everyone kind of kick him. You know, here comes, here comes Larry, the, the soccer ball. Because for in his job and occupation, he was constantly being bounced around. And today, you know what we have? We have people, Christians, who are bouncing around. They're bouncing around. Now, how many of us know that in marriage, God wants us to be married to one, Right? but are there people bouncing around in marriages today? Absolutely. As a kid, would you prefer to go to 15, 20 different schools or would you prefer to just go to the four schools that are in your area? Probably just the four schools that you're supposed to, right? Instead of the 15, 20 schools. We as kids don't like being bounced around. But why is it the question this morning, when people come to us for advice, sometimes we encourage them to bounce around God likes people to be committed. God likes people to be faithful. God likes people to make sacrifice. No matter our feelings, no matter our occupation, God needs us to fight through the words, fight through the feelings, and so that people find the truth. There is a, a moment in, a, in your Christian life. How many of us know that as, as young kids, and, and young babies, when, they, when they're born, they are so dependent on, on mom. How important is, is a mom to a little baby? It's everything, right? It's life. But as that baby grows, whether it's a girl or a boy, that baby grows up and becomes what? Less dependent on mom and becomes more independent, which is a hard thing for mom, right? So as a young kid, we're born takers because we constantly need and we need to take. As Christians, we're the same way. As young baby Christians, young baby Christians, they're born as takers because they need constant attention and they need constant help and they need constant food so they can grow up. 
But at some point, there's a shift going to, from a taker to being a giver. And so for a lot of Christians today, I see a lot of Christians who are stuck in this shift and they don't understand because they used to come to church and they used to say, I love church. I love coming to church. I just love sitting. I love doing this. I love helping a little bit. But at some point, the feeling of being a taker, they don't understand the shift in moving from a taker to a giver. We come to church only to give. We come to church only to serve and to honor God and only to worship him. That's it. We're not here to take and take and take and take and take and take. We're here to give of ourselves. The Christian life is illustrated as someone who gives up their body to God and for each other. And so this morning as we start to wrap up, I got one last illustration. When I started this morning, my question was, the attraction of life, the spiritual attraction of life. And is your Christianity, is your faith in God, is it attractive to other people? If there is a big, massive spiritual pull on you, if there is the devil who's fighting for your life, if there's God and the Holy Spirit who are fighting for your life, how do you deal with the fight for you? Right? And girls, and I don't know this, but because I'm not a girl, but I remember going up and I remember many young men used to fight over girls in school. You know, if, if a guy would walk by and he'd say hi to someone who had a girlfriend and the boyfriend saw it and then the boy, you know, got jealous and wanted to beat the other kid up. Boys, so many young men fighting over girls, right? Do we, whether we're men and women, understand there is a fight for your soul. There is a fight for how you grow. There is a fight for who and what you believe in. There is a fight for your life. There is such a fight for you to take you down, the devil doing everything he can to take you out, to take your kids out, to take your family out. There is such a fight, this strong pull that I call like a gravity that is pulling people in one direction to be funneled or guided or channel in one direction. And the biggest question is, with God and the devil fighting for your life, how do you deal with that fight? And so this morning, the picture of the young lady that we talked about, I love this, and this is what I close with. How did she deal with the fight for her life? How did she deal with the fight for her daughter's life? And she said this, Joe, one more last time. How did she handle gravity? How did she handle being funneled? It's not yours to eat. I wouldn't eat it anyway, but because it could have been flies that landed on it. The cinnamon bread's really good. Beef jerky, of course, is always good. How did this young lady deal with the fight? How did she handle being rejected? How did she handle the silence? How did she handle everything in the story? She understood there was something she was fighting for and she was fighting for the scraps. She was a scrapper. She was a feisty young lady who said, I don't care what I feel. I 
am fighting for the scraps and any scrap that comes from God is better than any scrap or any food or any feast that comes from anywhere else. I'm fighting for the scraps that come from God. I'll take scraps that come from God. I will take whatever he gives me, any kind of crumb that he gives me because the crumbs that fall from God are gonna heal me. The crumbs that come from God, they're gonna deliver my kid. Anything in life, I'm gonna fight and I'm gonna scrap and I'm gonna do everything I can. I am desperate for the scraps. I will fight for the scraps because even the scraps will give me what exactly I need. Stand with us this morning. Thank you, Joel. Good job. As we pray this morning, And as we think of the story and we think of the water and it's colored, how many of us would just walk up here if you're really thirsty and want to take a drink of this nasty looking water? Now, when we started, it was clear and it looked pretty good, right? Does it look so good right now? You see, this is how many of us end up with our feelings. We used to be clean. We used to be able to be pure. We used to understand ourselves. But because we went to so many different sources, we're discolored. We don't understand certain things. We've allowed the devil and the confusion to discolor us. And so that clearness and that pureness of understanding all that he has made us to be, we don't get it anymore. We're discolored. And so with your eyes closed this morning as we pray, God loves you. God cares for you. God does wanna heal you. God does want to provide for you. God wants you to, prov- you to know that he wants to provide for your family, your friends. He wants to provide healing for your friends, for your family. God is a God who does miracles. God is a healer. God is a provider. God is a deliverer. He delivers us from chains and bondage instantly in less than a second, in less than a blink of an eye. God delivers and God saves us. The amazing grace of God that we are all born sinners, but yet he has so much grace for us. The amazing grace of God. And this morning with your eyes closed, as we walk out of here, the one thing I ask, are you fighting for the scraps? Are you fighting for the scraps? Have you got to the point where you're desperate for maybe for yourself, for your finances? Are you desperate for your kids? Are you desperate for the one thing that you're believing and praying for? Has it got to a point of desperation where you're saying, God, even a crumb, God, even a crumb, God, I will take even just a crumb. Because see what it is, with our eyes closed as we get ready to close, I promise, my 14th close. The lady in the story fought through words and feelings and at the end, Jesus said, you have such great faith. Your daughter is healed and whole. Because she didn't listen to herself, she listened to what she wanted. She wanted her daughter well. Many of us, we give up on God. When we're not feeling it, it's time to go. When we're not feeling like we're getting fed, it's time to go. It's time to go to a different restaurant. That food's getting boring. Let's change restaurants. Let's change locations because the food's boring. The woman stayed until the very end and she saw deliverance for her kid because she fought through her feelings. She fought through the words and she fought for scraps. 
Go out today and be a scrappy person. Go out today and be a scrappy little fighter, fighting with truth for every word, for everything, for everything, saying, God, I'm not giving up. I'm gonna fight for every scrap, every crumb. God, I'm gonna fight and give everything I have. I'm not gonna give up. God, I'm desperate for you. God, I'm desperate for healing. God, I'm desperate for provision. God, I'm desperate for my kids. I'm desperate for my friends. God, I am desperate for them and I will fight for the scraps. God, we come to you. We thank you for this day once again. And I pray that you ignite something in our hearts this morning. God, I pray that you ignite a flame so bright inside of us. God, that you would make us more scrappy than we've ever been. God, that you would make us more fighters, God, than we've ever been. God, that we would fight for truth more than we ever have. That you'd help the people in our lives, that we'd help them fight through the words and feelings to get to the truth more than we ever have. God, for ourselves, that we would fight and be scrappy. God, to believe and trust you for every single thing, God, that you have for us. You have the world open right in front of us, God, to fight for every single thing that you wanna give for us and even the scraps. God, help us to be scrappy. We love you in Jesus' name we pray, amen.